Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshot.net. Special episode. Why you shouldn't go zooming off to do live online lessons. Hello, hello, and you're very welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshaw.net. This is Simon Lewis. I am recording this special episode um, because when I'm not um, talking about uh, issues around education or when I'm not covering this pandemic and uh, giving out and ranting, let's say, uh, I spend a lot of the time um, giving advice and tips and help Uh, to teachers and school leaders around remote learning, around anything to do with technology. But obviously over the last nine months or so, I've been speaking about um, remote learning. And I've uh, probably, uh, through my webinars, uh, spoken to over 5,000 teachers and school leaders, uh, offering advice and tips about how best to uh, do remote learning. Now, during lockdown number one, uh, the number one uh, question I was asked wasn't so much a question. It was more of a cry for help. And really, what am I going to do? Oh my gosh. And uh, uh, because we were landed in a situation where none of us had done remote learning before. Um, My only qualification, as I've uh, said before, was um, I I suppose I've had 20 years experience in looking at remote uh, looking at uh, technology and education and five years ago uh, we started a blended learning approach uh, in my own school where we threw out all our homework journals and embraced uh, google classroom class dojo and more recently seesaw um, so i've had a bit of time to consider what does remote learning sort of look like or certainly blended learning look like and how can that be transferred into remote learning um, i usually would answer these questions in short snippets uh, on my YouTube channel, uh, that's onshaw.net's YouTube channel, which you can find a link to from uh, the website onshaw.net, which um, uh, which at the moment uh, links you to a special COVID-19 page. But if you're listening to this after the pandemic, onshaw.net slash COVID-19 will get you a link to the special page where you can watch all the videos. However, the biggest question in lockdown number two warrants a bigger, a, a, a deeper Um, examination and hence the podcast it doesn't really need any visuals Uh, again hence the podcast and it's down to uh, question the biggest question that parents and people have been asked and and principals and teachers have been asking me over the last uh, number of weeks and it's all about live online teaching whether that's through zoom microsoft teams or any google meet or any of the others so what i'm going to do now is examine um live online teaching and see is it any good and what schools should be doing and what parents should be expecting. Let's go. Well, I may as well start, I guess, uh, by well, in the way I mean to go on, um, because I suppose um, the context, I think, of parents um, asking schools uh, for their teachers to be live online all day every day uh, from nine to half two stems from a reason i mean in the first lockdown nobody expected any of this but it seems uh, over over the last nine months parents found the lockdown very very difficult and there's a lot of reasons for that um, and i mean i'm not going to assume anything from any household but 
I mean, it collectively seems to be intuitive to uh, intuitively make sense that if a teacher can't, uh, if a teacher and its, and their pupils can't be together in the real world in a classroom, doesn't it make sense for the teacher to come into everybody's houses via a live video link and teach um, a class as they normally would? Um, it there there should be the, I mean in normal times they will be working from nine till half two or whatever uh, the the schedule will be, uh, so why could that not just be mirrored onto um, a live online lesson via Zoom or Microsoft Teams and so on, and I suppose uh, intuitively it would make sense if you didn't think about it too often. Um, and I suppose uh, many parents will point to secondary schools who uh, have embraced this, uh, embraced this methodology. Um, you know, they'll say, well, my teenage son or my teenage daughter is in the room and they're getting um, live lessons from their teachers and they take notes and so on as the teacher is there and they speak to each other and so on and so forth. And some will even point to uh, some private schools um, in America who uh, have embraced this as well. Now, I'm um, as intuitive as it might sound, given the line of argument, at primary level, it simply doesn't work. And I'm going to go through the reasons why it doesn't work. Um, before I do, I mean, it's funny, most people aren't asking for this, um, to be honest with you. And, and, the very, and, and from what I can gather, uh, the people who tend to be asking for this tend to be, I suppose, the very people who two years ago, when um, we were talking about technology and education, were the ones signing daily mail petitions to stop screen time in primary schools, which I find kind of ironic. Now, I'm not saying all parents are like that. All the parents who are asking for live online lessons are like that. But to be honest with you, um, <laughs> ones, that I've, uh, ones that I've experienced um, and I've heard about uh, when I've said it to, uh, the, uh, to, 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 to teachers who, who asked me this question, I always ask them just for the laugh, were these parents who were complaining about too much screen time a few years ago? And inevitably, 90% of the time they say yes. But anyway, that's me uh, only being a bit silly and, um, and, and being perfectly frank. To be honest with you, I think the... Um, most parents are well-intentioned and they think that this would work. So I'm going to, I suppose, explain why live on less, live, these live online lessons don't work. Uh, but just to give you a little bit of background, I think I did in the introduction there, um, I've, I've been advising school leaders about remote learning since the very first lockdown. Um, and just a little bit about my background, for those of you who hasn't listened to this before, before I went into teaching, I was, in computer, I, I was a computer scientist and uh, I did my master's uh, in computer science uh, in education. And in my master's, I actually examined whether a computer was a better teacher than a teacher in a live situation, so whether a virtual teacher was better than a real teacher. And um, interestingly enough, um, now back then, uh, Zoom didn't exist, but I mean, the concept was the same. You had a person on a screen teaching your, your child. And interestingly enough, the findings I, I had uh, were that, that it simply wasn't the case. And thankfully, all academic research since then at primary level is that live online lessons are not actually that effective um, and certainly no more effective than asynchronous uh, lessons, asynchronous being not live, I suppose. So you've got your synchronous lessons, which would be live lessons, and asynchronous lessons, which aren't uh, live. So these are video recordings and things like that, or um, um, learning activities on, on your various learning platforms, and so on. But I mean, the, the general consensus of all academic study at primary level is that the medium of the instruction for uh, interactions doesn't actually matter as much as the quality 
of the instruction. It's very, very important that the medium of the instruction isn't as important as the quality of the instruction. And this is where I'm going to, I suppose, talk about my argument around live on lessons. Because when it comes to live on lessons, I mean, the only, um, the, what you need there is really, really good, the same level of planning as you would need for not live. Um, and the only time it ever actually, uh, and, and, the, and, the, and the problem with these online lessons is that when you are dealing with a crowd of 30 people, let's say, so your class come, let's say you're in the very lucky position that 100% of your class attend these lessons from nine o'clock to half two and don't switch off in the middle of it, is that um, basically um, it's, I suppose, and I said this in the Irish Times, the only advantage uh, that, that when you have a lot of people on a screen, and you've probably been to webinars um, yourself where there's a lot of people, it becomes chaotic. Um, in the Irish Times, I sort of compared it uh, for parents to the, your, your Zoom wine parties that you might have had in the first lockdown. As soon as there were more than three or four people there, it became chaotic and people couldn't get a word in edgeways. And effectively, most people spent their time passively learning. They weren't actually learning uh, properly. They were sitting there watching a teacher talk, or and or a very few uh, or very few people talking, and and in effect, um, they weren't actually getting anything really out of it. It was like being. I mean, but the analogy it was like being in a classroom and basically a teacher talking all day and you sitting there. And in primary level, that's not how we do things. At second level, maybe there's a little bit more of that, and I'm not saying that's only what secondary schools do, because they certainly don't, things have moved on. But certainly at primary level, whole class teaching methodologies are, are quite limited. You'd expect a good um, lesson to have about 10% where a teacher is just talking at a class in a whole setting. Um, and 90% would be more active and uh, more varied. Um, and the only time, I suppose, before I go on, and I'll talk about this maybe if I, if I think of it a bit later, is that when you have small groups of children, as in two to three tops, you can actually get um, a good live lesson, but only for about 15 minutes, because actually doing lessons on a screen is much more intense than in person. There's no variety. There's, uh, you're, you're still looking at a screen, really. Um, and about 15 minutes tops is probably, um, uh, it would be, you know, a good estimate for a good online lesson with two to three people. However, when you go beyond three to, uh, three people or four people maybe, um, things become very chaotic and there's a lot of passiveness, uh, which is no good. Um, and I might talk maybe, so if you're a learning support teacher, I absolutely see, for example, having a one, uh, I would never have a one-to-one -one lesson um, unless there's a parent right beside me. I would never actually do any live teaching, number one, without parents being there, but certainly in a small group, parents would need to be there for child protection reasons. Um, but, you know, if you are doing, if you, I mean, I suppose one of the, well, let's get into the reasons why it doesn't work for bigger classes. First of all, it's chaotic and you have a load of passive learning and that really, in a way, is, is reason enough. But the other thing is these live lessons requ require close to 100% attendance. And I mean that's throughout the day. So if a teacher is on the screen from nine till half two, your child needs to be staring at that screen from nine to half two. And if you have a child who watches television, um, and you, you would you? I mean, and, and many children do watch TV. Do you allow your child to watch TV for five and a half, six hours? I don't think so. I mean, some do. I mean, oh, geez, I'm, I, I'm being presumptuous here, but most families would balk at the idea of giving their child six hours in front of the screen. And yet, this is what's been asked, and it makes no sense. 
because it does all the things that you that all these uh, parents who were against screen time uh, back in the day were saying. I mean, six hours of screen time is ridiculous. So what I'd be saying is small chunks of time work better. And you can't have a situation, um, I, I mean, you could, but, you, but the, you, I mean, having a situation where a teacher comes on for 15 minutes at 9 o'clock, then comes on at 15 minutes at 10 o'clock and has 15 minutes at 11 o'clock, you know, you actually, as a, as a parent, have to have your, your home life, if you have your home life centred around this, it's impossible as well. You know, you, there'll be shopping to do, there'll be work to be done, there'll be, and you need to be around to help your child um, around this. So you, there's all sorts of problems in terms of this live online lesson. These are just pra- pragmatic things as well and practical things. But just going back to relying on 100% attendance, attendance at whole class live lessons is never 100%, rarely 100%. In fact, on average, it seems to be about less than 70%. And because it's against um, GDPR, um, and child protection guidelines to actually record these lessons and put them uh, up uh, for parents to see, we find ourselves um, in, a, in a very difficult position because even if it did work, okay, and it doesn't, even if it did work, you've lost 30 to 40% of your children in your class missing out on the curriculum. Now, some parents might go, well, that's not my problem, but it could be your kid um, for any reason. For example, you could catch COVID-19 in these days and be stuck to the bed and won't be able to be there to allow your child access to the curriculum. And what are you going to do then? You know, I mean, you could simply have to go shopping one morning and when your live lessons are going, there's no one to mind your child. You know, they're going to miss out on that day's lessons. So in a primary school, you know, as I said, it's because it's impo- essential that parents sit with their children during live sessions, you have another problem there because you're going to have to be around. Um, again, for child protection reasons, there's, you know, and some parents, and I know some parents will say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll just be in the kitchen or whatever, uh, and I'll be doing my own thing, um, or I, I just won't show up. But what if something goes wrong? You have to be around. These are not secondary school children, where things are different. Secondary school students have their own devices, they're older and more independent. And at second level, lessons are generally more akin to lectures where you take notes and you listen more and take notes. I remember, um, I know, and I'm not saying it's every single second level um, class, but, you know, it's it's definitely a different methodology. Um, And primary education is so far removed from that. Um, And, uh, you know, I think think some people, parents particularly, might think that uh, primary school is very like primary school when they were there. It is a completely different ballgame. It's much, much more holistic. And it just doesn't suit a teacher at the top of the room or a teacher on a screen lecturing children. Children can't concentrate on that stuff anyway. The best practice, I suppose, so I'm tell- I've am i talked to you really about why live doesn't work. I, I mean, I don't know if that will convince anyone who's convinced that it, it is a good idea. Um, and I'll try and convince you a little bit more later on because I suppose I'm just giving you a small introduction to it. But I'm going to tell you what best practice actually would be. And best practice would suggest that a teacher would pre-record what they wish to teach in very small, in a very small five to eight minute lesson. If they were even better, would be one minute snippets. Um, a one minute video is the goal. Now that's very difficult for any teacher to do on the fly. But a five minute video, I suppose, would be um, 
um, would be a very good idea where you teach a concept. So you're sitting in your kitchen or you're on it and you have your video camera or your phone pointed at what you're trying to teach. You might be on screen if you feel comfortable doing it. You might even have a whiteboard behind you to explain sort of th- some concepts. You might have your textbook where you point your phone at or you might have resources that you uh, show uh, that you move around because teachers can go into the classrooms. You might even be in your classroom. You might be recording from your classroom. So you, you know, and you can take these videos and they're, and they're good because... In a live situation with interaction, it's going to take longer to explain concepts because there'll be interruptions, there'll be behavioural issues, there'll be a, a connectivity problems because they're live. With a video, you just do the video and do it quickly and it's there and it can be watched over and over again if a child doesn't understand a concept and so on. And then what the teacher can do is give a mix of tasks based on that lesson to support the lesson so a good mix of tasks so not just do page this in a book or you know whatever it might be there could be lots of different activities around it um you know you could they might ask the child to take photographs of things in the house that you know if you're doing if you're doing 2d shapes find you know certain 2d shapes in the house it might be go out into the garden and, and uh, video yourself running in a square or running in a circle do you know these these kind of activities that help and then the children can upload those um and the, the thing is then, you see, and this is what I'm saying, is you get the tasks, the children then should um, create, uh, could do those tasks. Now, teachers will often give more than is needed to be done uh, because you're, you're being asked to give a range of activities. So you need to, as a parent, find the activities that will suit your child in their learning and um, what suits them to, to, learn this, uh, to learn this stuff. And there'll be some consolidation work in books as well. And some schools will give you know, traditional work as well because some parents actually just need children to be independent. It's a busy work, really, I suppose, to consolidate things. So lists and lists and lists of things, let's say, that they could do on their own. And basically, once that work is completed, it can be photographed, it can be videoed, it can be uploaded to the uh, to an agreed area, and then it's up to the teacher to respond to that work at an agreed time. And this is a very, very important time for a teacher. Now, if they're sitting in front of a screen the whole day, where are they going to find the time to do this? They need to find that day because a teacher can only work uh, a certain number of hours in a day. Um, and if they're uh, in a normal circumstance you're, you're, while you're live in a classroom, there's pockets of the times of the day where children are independently working that a teacher can catch up on assessments and, and walk around the room and see how people are doing. Whereas on a screen, you can't walk around the room to see how people are doing, really, even virtually, because you're interrupting um, you know, what, what's going on, the flow of a lesson. Uh, there, there, there's gaps in time where nothing's happening and so on. Um, and then there's obviously a few hours after school uh, where the teacher prepares the resources and also assesses work. So the same time needs to be given for teachers to be able to do that. So, you know, uh, this is where, and, and when a child is uploading work, you know, it, it takes longer uh, for a teacher to be able to record that. You see, if in a physical copy book, you can, you can, easy, you know, it's actually there's some things that are better on paper. T- correcting things on screen is a lot more difficult, depending on the platform you're using. And I, I really feel sorry for um, for teachers because assessment is taking twice or three times as long as it normally would. So we have to allow for that time. So once the work is uploaded, the teacher responds individually to children. So again, that takes quite a long time. Um, there's also the uh, opportunity that teachers offer to their to their to their students, to their pupils, and to their parents that if the parent feels their child is struggling with a concept, so let's say it's two D shapes and you're covering I don't know um, uh, covering something quite quite difficult that a parent can't do, let's say the area of a circle and uh, the formula is given out. This is a terrible example. Um, 
what a teacher can do is uh, the parent can contact the, the teacher by email or whatever and the teacher might make a video again to maybe explain it in a different way or so on so the, all these things take time um, and you know where children are receiving learning support you've got a support teacher who also works with those children and again this will generally be the same amount of time that they receive when they're in school so you've got these uh, things going on and you know at the same time, while I'm saying all this, and this all sounds, oh, well, you know, that's fair enough, that you might be convinced by now. You, but you probably aren't. Because at the end of the day, it's very important to understand, do you know, that this remote learning is never as good as face-to-face learning in the classroom. You know, what we're doing is an emergency measure because we don't want children and we don't want staff to become ill to, or to go into hospital or to die um, you know that's that's where we're at at the minute. You know we're not, not we're we're not in school because it's you know because it's dangerous to be in. It's da- what we're, what we have at the moment is the most dangerous thing any person can do right now is meet somebody else. You know and and, and that's just the way it is at the moment. And whether you agree with that or not, you know it's not for this podcast. Um, but at the same time, all uh, we're in a situation whether we like it or not where it's remote learning, but it will never replace face-to-face learning. It's not the same. And if it was, we'd be doing it all the time. Children wouldn't have to come to school, you know, um, if it was better. I mean, and they say, I mean, there's a famous phrase: if if a teacher could be replaced by a ro- uh, by a computer or a robot, they probably should. You know, we have the face-to-face um, learning is very very important. But look. There's nothing we can do about it. So what we need to do is we need to make the best of a situation. And all we can do is continue the curriculum in the best and most optimal um, manner that we can. Now, uh, you know, I mean, I, I could go on about, like, you know, my preference wouldn't be remote learning, really. I prefer for us to close schools completely, no remote learning, and then make up the time later. But again, because we don't know how long this is going to go on for, sure, we could be, <laughs> we, could, we, we could end up uh, in a situation where there's absolutely zero uh, breaks between whenever we get back to school and and, uh, and next September. So I, I don't know. I mean, uh, ultimately, look, as I said, we've no choice and remote learning is where we're at. Um, and nobody thinks remote learning is a good alternative to normal school but it's the best available option to us now at present and we have to try and continue the curriculum as best we can um i i, I suppose um if you're interested in things other things that i've written about this um i was in the irish times uh, this week where i spoke um about remote learning and 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 pretty much what i've been speaking about there i uh, people have just constantly texted me now um about my zoom wine parties um i i, I just need to clarify i I've, i i'm not popular enough to be invited to wine parties or never mind uh, zoom ones uh but uh i thought it was a good analogy but it, it probably <laughs> i don't know if it was or not but um i think other than that you know there's there's some really good studies out there around uh, the first lockdown and, and in particular the CSL study uh, which is cslstudy.ie uh, where they um, looked at the first lockdown to see what we might be able to learn from the set for the second lockdown which is this one now uh, that study obviously isn't out yet but I think it's it's still very interesting to see uh, what what uh, research came from the first lockdown and what uh, and what, what might um, we learn from that um, so I'm just going to look at their infographic, uh, which basically gives percentages. Um, 43.5% of principals stated the schools were sufficiently resourced for digital technology. So this, again, uh, study says that already over, only half of children had, were sufficiently 
resource to do digital technology. So can you imagine doing live on less online lessons? While I said 70% uh, might show up at a lesson, it does look like we're only at about 40 to 50% of children could engage all day with online lessons. And um, 83% of principals stated when schools reopened that they would uh, develop their digital teaching further. And actually, do you know what? That's happened. I don't know of too many schools that didn't start something like Seesaw or Google Classroom or something like that. So we're in a much better position than we were, certainly, uh, during this fr uh, second lockdown. I think almost everybody uh, is teaching very differently to what they were back in March and April. Um, only 50% of parents work normal hours during lockdown, uh, but a quarter work more hours than usual, which is unsurprising. I'd say you could uh, put teachers in that bracket, but I, uh, I will get on to that, I think. When it came to schoolwork, I think this is interesting, as although it's nothing to do with remote learning. 95% of children were helped by their mum, and 52% were helped by their dad. That's really interesting. Um, but not really in terms of remote learning, just in terms of how little we've moved on as a society. Um, two thirds of pupils work between two, 10 minutes and one hour per day. Um, I don't know what we can learn from that figure, but I would suggest one hour of remote learning a day is plenty. You know, like it's, it's kind of the same as watching, you, you know, if you're on a screen, look, I, I mean, I'm going back to the screen time thing. I would suggest that one to two hours is plenty of screen time at all for a, for a child and if you're a, if you're a working parent or even if you're not a working parent you need to decide screen time for learning and screen time for entertainment and you need to i would say an hour of screen time for learning is good and another hour maybe of screen time or two hours for entertainment is probably uh, good too um, most people wanted schools to reopen and I say that's still the case and it said also that uh, teachers spent more time on literacy, maths and PE than other subjects um, I, I know that drama and religion were the uh, ones that didn't uh, get a look in really and uh, I suppose from my point of view uh, you know that was not surprising um, I'm sure there were a lot of parents delighted not to have to teach their own children religion um, but 68% of principals said they were working longer hours than normal and that would correlate with even now this lockdown where it's the same case I would say so interesting kind of statistics from that and um, there's another uh, good article uh, I'd suggest around uh, live lessons and why they're not as effective as recorded ones and that comes from the TES and that's a link from onshaw.net uh, the um, six rules for online learning that I created and um, I think uh, it's well worth having a look um, because it's you know as I said it seems to be the gold standard if you watch primetime they oh it was a ridiculously embarrassing uh, experience uh, where uh, but um, it's seen as the gold standard. I don't know if it is after uh, if you're listening to this at the moment, but you know, um, getting uh, you know, it, it goes on um, about uh, broadband and the battle of the broadband at home. Remember, if you have one child, live uh, live lessons all day is grand. But the, the more children you have, you're sharing broadband bandwidth. You're actually sharing with you know, and if your parents are working from home, broadband bandwidth is a thing, you know, and if all. 10 of you, if you're a household of, I don't know, six people, four children, two adults, um, doing all this, like live streaming all day is going to take a massive hit on your broadband bills and you're going to find yourself in trouble there. But I mean, it's a small reason. It's not it's just something I haven't mentioned. Um, but you are basically taking a hit on your uh, bandwidth. Um, I think as well as that, they've uh, they've talked about explanations. So pre-recorded lessons mean that pupils can pause, rewind, and revisit explanations they've struggled with, which you wouldn't get in a live lesson. And I think I've mentioned that. Um, and um, I suppose what the, his, the, the, this author's point is, um, or her point was really, 
And I, I thought this was, was really, really clever, that there's an assumed superiority of being in a classroom, but a live uh, online lesson isn't the classroom. Because when you take away the classroom, they say the magic is lost. In the classroom, we can direct a pupil's wavering attention. We can pose questions with ease and purpose. We can judge how work is going and where we need to change the pace. A virtual classroom is a very poor proxy for this space. I thought it was a wonderful paragraph. And I, I wish I... Um, I wish I'd written that because it's it, it actually you could ignore everything I've said before. This that really for me sums it up. Now the author concedes that there is uh, that it isn't to say that she uh, thinks there's no place for live remote interaction. Um, she's found that live sessions are really good. I'm assuming it's a woman. I'm sorry. It could be a man um, uh, who wrote that article. Sorry. I, I mean, I, I never looked at the author of it. Um, it's, a, it's a man, actually. Mark. I'm sorry, Mark. Um, but uh, he said um, that... Um, where am I? Um, that... Um, I'm scrolling down my screen here. See, working from a screen is difficult, guys. Um, I found anyway that, you know, th uh, that he said that live sessions are very useful for keeping pupils motivated, for keeping in touch, and for giving feedback on previous work. So this, this is an interesting balance. Um, and smaller groups for a short time work really well. Um, this uh, person, uh, this teacher here, Mark, is, a, is actually a secondary school teacher, and even in his context, he believes that's, uh, that's also the case. So I thought that was quite interesting. Um, if you are doing uh, live sessions, and I would recommend that you are going to do, uh, that you would only do live sessions for checking in on children, I actually think you need to do live sessions, not for teaching the curriculum, but for, for, for um, checking in on children. So once or twice a week, I think twice a week at this stage is good for about 20 minutes. Um, is a really good thing to do. Maybe at the start of the week where you're basically telling everybody, look, this is what we're going to be doing. How are you all feeling this week? Maybe play a little game. And maybe towards the end of the week, um, how did you get on? How is everybody feeling? Does anybody have any news? Anything anybody wants to share? They're really effective and really, really good. And it doesn't matter if you're, not, if you're there or not because you're not actually using them to cover the curriculum. Um, and I, I think if you are going to do live sessions, that's what they're there for. If you are going to do that and you should do that, keep in mind GDPR and child protection. Um, in terms of child protection, um, you need to have agreed rules, ground rules for your children. I think it's uh, some, of, some of the things that will be obviously normal would be um, around where these sessions happen. They need to be in a public space in the house, let's say, so not from the child's bedroom. The child shouldn't be in bed doing these sessions. And ideally, they should be uh, dressed uh, for the day, not in their pajamas. Uh, and that's a child protection thing rather than a snobbery thing, I, I would suggest. Um, you know, pajamas... Uh, you know, for a child's dignity and so on, it's more that there'll be uh, the you know, um, pajamas look. You know what pajamas look like? They're 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 not. Um, they can be um, they can be they they have a different neckline and so on. I, I don't want to get on, go on too much about that uh, because obviously you know that's a sensitive subject and um, and we need children to be in school mode, I suppose. And um, in a way, you know, pajamas don't strike that. Uh, balance well and also you have the risk of child protection sort of end of things i suppose as well as that it might be a good idea for children to maybe blur their background um, because again some houses um, some children are not as fortunate as others and may not be living in a house um, and may be living in um, a, a, a homeless uh, accommodation or um, sheltered accommodation um, and so on and 
Uh, also, I suppose, uh, to protect families, parents, and things like that, they should also know uh, that, uh, that the lessons are going on, and they, you, know, you don't want a situation where somebody walks past the screen naked, for example. So these are all child protection things that need to be accounted for. As a school, you have to account for the fact that while these may be agreed processes, it might happen. It might happen. And worse, uh, somebody might get the link to your, pa uh, to your uh, Zoom lesson or whatever it is, or your Meets lesson, and might, um, uh, you know, you might have a teenage brother uh, or a teenage sister who decides it'd be hilarious to come onto a live Zoom lesson and start uh, uh, listing every swear word they know. So again, we have to be careful with these live sessions that, um, you know, that we protect children as much as possible. In terms of GDPR, um, obviously if you're using a, a session like Google Meets or Microsoft Teams or Zoom or whatever it might be, we are taking, we are using people's information, that's their email addresses uh, to sign on. Um, if you're recording them, which you shouldn't be, um, obviously that's uh, something that happens. If you're in a learning support situation, maybe working one-to-one, -one, it's a good idea to record sessions, uh, despite the fact that I wouldn't suggest that's a very good idea either. Look, um, that is just around GDPR and child protection. Get your things right. Uh, you can steal my uh, child protection and GDPR policies from um, my school's website. Um, or if you go to most schools' website, they've probably stolen it already and you'll find it. Um, you know, I think the, the idea really is that we're looking for uh, good ideas for online learning. We uh, want to make sure that children uh, are safe. Um, but we're also making sure that we're giving the most optimal vision, uh, version of online learning. Um, I hope I've uh, answered that question. It's about half an hour in, uh, and I don't want to go on too much longer, around live uh, online teaching and why it doesn't really work. Um, I'm very happy to be uh, argued with around this. I think um, there's a lot of people with opinions on this, um, some garnered in uh, facts, some garnered in um, experience, and some are garnered in other uh, things um, because uh, they heard the school up the road might be doing this and they don't want to be left out. Look, that's all I'm going to say on the matter. Uh, I, hope you, uh, I hope it was of use and uh, we'll be getting back to normal by me giving out about various things on COVID-19 and on my normal episodes of If I Were the Minister for Education. Thanks for listening. I hope uh, you enjoyed uh, this uh, special episode of If I Were the Minister for Education around live online learning. And um, if you did enjoy it, I would appreciate you leaving a review uh, on your favourite podcasting app. Um, and if you want to hear more from me, uh, you can subscribe to If I Were the Minister for Education. You can search for it by uh, searching for Anshaw's podcast, uh, A-N-S-E-O, and uh, I'd be grateful to have you subscribe. You'll get uh, the next episodes straight to your inbox um, uh, for, or your podcasting app. Um, I record lessons, or sorry, I record lessons. I record uh, these podcasts, um, generally the normal episodes on a Friday evening um, uh, for um, you to listen to. And um, I look forward after, I suppose, when the pandemic dies down to recording my normal uh, episodes uh, of If I Were the Minister for Education. That's it for me from this uh, for this one. Um, please visit onshot.net for more uh, videos and advice on COVID-19 and remote teaching. Um, as I said, this was just a special one I thought that would deserve a podcast of its own. And any questions you have, simon at onshaw.net and I'd be happy to hear from you. Thanks a million. Bye bye.